I'm Hillary. And I'm Sandra. Coming up on the Quick and the Dirty podcast, we're going to talk to a porn star named Voodoo. Okay, Sandra, first of all, I never thought I would know a porn star. I also never thought I'd know anyone (laughs) called Voodoo. So it's a big day. Same. I'm totally with you on this. I'm so excited about this interview uh, because, you know, I mean, there's a million questions to ask, but I want his number, his sex number, man. That's like big for me. I'm dying to know how many zeros he has on it. I need to disinfect just thinking about it. I know. Me too. (laughs) But we're going to find out coming up. The Quick and the Dirty Podcast with Hillary Welch and Sandra Plagakis. We're going to start things off with you, Hillary. Um, Something happened to you in the last couple of weeks, and I got to say, you gave me a hell of a scare. Oh, Sandra, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you scared the hell out of me when uh, you sent me a picture of your broken arm on text. You're in a hospital, and you're banged up and you're bruised because you got into a car accident. Yeah, it wasn't the best day of my life. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was heading off on vacation, heading home from work, and uh, smash, bang, boom, broken wrist. The good news is that the airbag exploded on my wrist, but the face was saved. Oh, thank God your face was okay. (laughs) I forgot to ask. I didn't want to be rude, but that was my first question. How's your face? So it was the airbag that did that to you. Yeah, absolutely. They explode at a pretty quick speed. I've seen the slow motion things like on Dateline NBC when they do the crash test <laughs> dummy stuff and it, it looks severe. So you got it in the wrist and then you said you I think you got a bruise on your stomach. Yeah, the seatbelt bruise. And then I've got like some pretty bad bruising on my legs. But uh, luckily, I don't sit, sit like a lady in the car. I sit with my legs open. So it was like the side of my leg and not my actual knee. So there's no real damage. You know when you see the aftermath of an accident? Because I saw the your car. There was a picture of your car on the news, actually. <laughs> yes. There's also uh, footage of me vomiting on the news. That was a, <laughs> a whole new low. <laughs> what? You threw up after the accident and they got that? Yes, because I looked down. I didn't realize my wrist was broken. And I was talking to someone and I looked down and I saw it. And then, like the nausea set in and then I'm like tossing my cookies on the side of the road sitting down and like the news came by clearly a slow news day and like got me from behind as like the EMT is holding the vomit cup (laughs) (laughs) like it was not a good day well you know it could have been worse injury it could have been worse you could have been wearing a station shirt (laughs) that's how it could have been worse right there Uh, The good news is everybody involved is okay. My car, um, well, I paid it off two weeks before the accident, so that was really great. Of course you did. Uh, It's a write-off? Yep, absolute write-off. So I get a new toy. That's fun. You do, but you walk away relatively unharmed relatively right it could have been a whole lot worse so there's that so you know yeah you you sent me a picture of your car uh you know from the news clip and I saw that and I mean I saw that you were you're you're broken and bruised and all those things I saw that and I got to tell you I got so I got so upset because you start playing the would have game what could have happened uh you could have bought it right there and then and it was very apparent by seeing your car and the condition it was in. Yeah, it was really kind of scary. And Sandra's so cute. Oh. She calls me. 
It's the cutest thing. Sandra calls me and you start explaining about how you were kind of taken aback by the pictures or whatever. She starts crying on the phone. Like, what? Sandra has a heart? When did this happen? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I start. Of course I started to cry. It was the cutest. When you start. Oh, and I'm going to start again now. Because when you start, like, realizing how fleeting life is. Then you start thinking, oh, my God, she could have been killed in this car accident. And I don't know that Hillary knows how much I love her. And I Aww. wanted you to know. Are we? Ha- we're having another moment because I just I'm, I'm tearing up. <laughs> Shit, I'm or I am, too. But I I just thought to myself, I hope I hope she knows how much I love her and how much I care, because I, I don't know if I ever tell you that. I mean, we say love you all the time, but I do love you and I care about you. And it would be devastating. I mean. I mean, I go on with the podcast, of course, but it would be very <laughs> devastating. You bitch. You I'm bitch. Kidding. I'm kidding. And I just, it, you you could have fucking died. It's it's really terrifying. And it makes you rethink a lot of things in your life. Like, when was the last time you told the people in your life that they were important to you? And, right. like, uh, I thank God, like, I had thought about bringing my dog to work that day. He would have bit it. You th- You think? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you were that banged up. So, oh, like, wow. Because he wouldn't have been in a seatbelt. No, of course not. So, oh, my God, that's that's awful. Like, that's an I awful just thought. Yeah. That's, but you're playing the what if game, too, which is a ter- I'm playing it, too. We all do that. You know, something bad happens. Somebody, uh, you know, uh, cheats death like you kind of did that mm-hmm. day. And then you start thinking, oh, my God, it could have gone a completely different way. And then what? So it's I think so we have fleeting. to like, play the other game, which What's is the like game? the thankful game. And yeah. the grateful game. The grateful game. So I'm grateful that I have you in your life. I'm grateful that you cheated death that day. I'm grateful you didn't bring your dog because that would have devastated you. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that nobody else got hurt. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, it was all in all a good day. It was a good day. And it's going to be an even better day because now we're going to talk to a porn star. <laughs> yeah. If you needed cheering up, Sandra's like, okay, I'm done with the crying. I'm not crying anymore. Now I'm going to be happy. <laughs> I love you very much, Hillary. I love you too. Um, this conversation, I, I am not even ready for it. <laughs> well, you better assume the position in that case. <laughs> oh. You know what position that is. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that most of us have probably seen a little or a lot of porn by now in our lives. And we probably have a lot of questions, if we could, to ask a porn star. Well, I think that Hillary and I are pretty lucky today. Uh, We are very excited to welcome adult film star or porn star, Voodoo. Oh, my goodness. Welcome. What an introduction. I like <laughs> Well, first of all, I just want to ask you, are you an adult film star? Or are you a porn star? Uh, do you have a preference or is there one? Uh, I don't think there's too much of a difference. I think that a lot of people don't like the word porn star because it's a little more graphic than adult film star. I think adult film star only came around just because of the conservative types that didn't like to use the word porn. But it's pretty much the same thing. We take off our clothes and we have sex for money. Right. And then you think people say adult film star because it sounds classier? Yeah, yeah. It's just a little classier, but it's the same thing. I mean, the only difference in, in the movie making industry is whether you're doing, you know, full hardcore sex or if you're doing, you know, non-hardcore sex, which then you're classified as a B-movie star, you know, where the sex is stim- simulated. But I do real sex, so it's a porn star or adult film star. It's the same thing. 
Do you look down on the people who do the bee stuff? <laughs> uh, no, I, I do. I, I've got a huge following in the bee stuff. So <laughs> I've done a lot of the bee stuff. So uh, I, I go actually under a different name for the bee stuff. My porn name is Voodoo. But uh, for the bee stuff, because they considered themselves a little bit more Hollywood than porn, they didn't like the name Voodoo. I don't know, because of some kind of weird, crazy cult kind of annotation in in to it. But uh, my... My B-movie name is Alexandre Boisvert. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Classy. I'd hit that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Suddenly you're hitting the top of Google searches everywhere. <laughs> totally. I've already Googled you, by the way. Voodoo porn star and yeah. then hit images. I've seen everything I need to see. <laughs> yeah. was, it, was it a big surprise? It really was a pleasantly big surprise. So now that we've crossed that threshold, what are the qualifications to become a porn star? Like, how did you get into it? Oh, I got into it really by accident. I mean, I I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. And then by the time I was 19, 20, I wanted to go on a big extreme adventure. So I hopped on my motorcycle, crossed across the country, went to the U.S., Ended up in California, ran out of money, and porn was an option presented to me just by total, total fluke, and I got into it. And apparently I had the qualifications necessary to become a porn star. By total fluke? What? By fluke. That sounds very cliche, like they found you at the bus station like they used to for girls. It was almost almost like that. I was literally just hanging in L.A., and I ran out of money, and I had no money to get back to Toronto. So I was like, either I sell my motorcycle and buy buy a plane ticket, or... I go to one of these porn production companies and uh, present myself and try to make some quick cash doing some porn. So when you were presenting yourself, did you literally walk into the office and drop your pants? Like, what was the process? Did you meet somebody? What happened? It was literally like that. I mean, the first place I went to was a big studio uh, called Vivid Videos. They're one of the big porn production companies. And I was pretty much laughed out of their office. It was a couple of, like, uh, delivery guys going, ah, you don't get into porn that easily. You gotta, you know, you gotta come in with a beautiful woman and this and that. But if you're going to give it a shot, go down to this agency down the street called world modeling. And that's what I did. I went down the street to world modeling where, uh, they told me, drop your pants. We're going to take a poll. This was back in 1999 where they were still using Polaroid cameras. And I dropped my pants and everybody went, wow. And uh, there happened to be a director there that was looking through the uh, Polaroid book. And he asked me if I wanted to do a a job the the very next day. So I was like, okay, what what, what did I have to do for this job? He said, you show up. We're going to have a bunch of women there. And you're going to get a blow job from one of them. And we'll pay you $100 cash. (laughs) You really don't get an offer like that very often. No, you you don't. No, you don't. So I was pretty much much like, yeah, I'm not going back to Canada for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you drop your plans, uh, pants, you get a blowjob for $100. Tell me uh, more about your skills, <laughs> about well, your skill set. Because, you know, I'm, I'm saying like, I mean, you obviously had something going on down there. And clearly you have a diamond cutter. Yeah, so yeah. that so, was so, probably so, very I, helpful. 
yeah, size is is important. It's not the most important thing. I mean, if you do have a big, large penis, you will get more attention right away for people to try to use you and cast you. But the most important thing for being a male porn star is stamina. You have to be able to last a long time while having sex without prematurely ejaculating, and you have to be able to be able to stop, start, stop, and start as the director needs you to sometimes they have to stop change the light uh, back in those days we were still shooting on film so sometimes the film ran out they had to change the role of film and you had to be able to keep going until they said okay now's the time to finish right and back in those days there wasn't so much pharmaceutical help like there correct. is now correct this was the pre-viagra pre-injectable days today Anybody can really give it a go because you've got all the pills, you have injectables. Injectables is actually a solution that these, some of these guys use these days that they inject a, a needle with a solution directly Ugh. into their penis to, oh give my it, God. to give it an erection. It was, it was initially designed for, for people uh, coming back from war that stepped on landmines that couldn't get a hard-on because of real physical trauma. But now people are using it cosmetically to attain a very, very hard hard on and to be able to work in the porn industry. Go figure. You just ruined porn for me. Thanks, Voodoo. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So let's go back to that very first job. You walk yes. into the studio for that first $100 blow job. Yes. Uh, how did it go? Because I, like, were you nervous? Did that affect things? What did it feel like? Uh, I was very, very nervous. This was a big production. There was uh, about 20 performers there, and it was just it was just a blowjob day. It was just girls giving guys blowjobs. And so there was about 20 girls, 20 guys, and I showed up, and uh, some production assistant just, you know, hands me paperwork, which I've never filled out, you know, this type of paperwork before. So I had to fill out the paperwork. I started talking to some of the other performers. So I was, I was a little bit anxious, but you got to remember, I was 20, I was a little bit starving because, you know, I, was, uh, I hadn't had a good meal in a couple of days because I didn't have a dime to my name. And I was, you know, horny, too. I hadn't had sex for a while because I was on the road riding my motorcycle to get to California. So when it came time for the director to say, drop your pants and get a blowjob, the woman that was giving me a blowjob was beautiful. She was stunning. And I had zero problems with it, with all the camera crews that were there with all the production assistants. This was like a, like a real move. Not like today. Today, the porn industry it has gotten very small because of technology. People can use digital cameras and digital this and, and, and have their own little map to edit on and stuff like that. They could be a full production studio all on their own. Back then, there was like 50 people behind that camera. So you really had to have you know, the mindset of just blocking them out completely and getting into the moment. And I was able to do that once the, the, the once the director said action, I was able to just focus on the girl. And that was it. I got a hard on. And then when he said, OK, we got enough of the blowjob here. Go ahead. Come on her face. It was super easy. Wow. Super easy. Super yeah. easy. <laughs> super easy. <laughs> I, I I like that you can just do things on command. If if only every other man could. Right. Oh, I know. Well, Is this I mean, over yet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. 
I, I, I love having sex with girls that have had multiple bad experiences because then I really look like a god. It's incredible how many bad, <laughs> how many bad dudes there are out there. Because most girls today, well, you know, if you date and, you know, they'll be like, oh, I'm not expecting much, you know, just do this or do that. And by the end of it, it's like, oh, my God, uh, when can I see you again? And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe. Maybe another time, maybe. But you know what? That's BS because you think of the porn industry and there's pretty much nothing that anybody will not do on camera these days. Why are men so shitty in bed? There's no excuse. It's not like they don't have a point of reference. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I don't know whether it's because they're so desensitized from the porn that they're just getting off in the porn and then they're not leaving enough of their stamina or juice for actual real life. Is it the diet that's, you know, changed for guys? He says, I don't know what the problem is, but it seems to be a big problem because I hear about it constantly from women. Right. Men are lousy performers today, and it's sad. But I think also, like, porn has set men up to believe that being a jackrabbit is how you get a girl off, which is not necessarily the truth. No, biggest misconception. Biggest misconception. A lot of the stuff you see in porn, women don't want to even it's not even on their radar of things like some of these positions where they're being bent over backwards and you know doing all this nasty stuff from you know <laughs> butt sex back to mouth sex back to butt nobody wants to do that in their real life but it's it's okay no to I get, no everybody would have pink eye are you kidding <laughs> exactly and there's exactly. nothing sexy about pink eye <laughs> nothing no, no there isn't so I don't know. I don't know what it is. But there's also the other there's also the other side that you're not thinking of too is some women that do watch porn these days do have a high expectation as well. And then a lot of women who use a lot of vibrators to get off all of a sudden now the guy has to perform as good as the videos she's watching and that vibrator that has no quit on it. Mm, there's also that aspect. Just bring it with you. Bring the vibrator into the room. That's right. And most guys, you're right, they don't have eight speeds, but they should. (laughs) Now, I have a question. Going back to that very first day, uh, it's kind of about safety. Like, do you cross your heart and hope never to get anything? Like, back in the day, you had your audition, and the next day you were getting a blowjob. What was safety like back in those days? Oh, super safe. I, we missed a step that we didn't talk about before I was actually able to go to that uh, to that porn set. I did have to go and get a blood test. And back then in Los Angeles, they had come up with a, a new testing system that was a 24-hour turnaround, which is the PCR DNA test that they can test your blood for HIV and then chlamydia and gonorrhea and all, all other sorts of STDs. So when I got into the porn industry, it was actually at a revolutionary point of the testing system, which then spread across the rest of the country. But back then in L.A., you could get your tests back in 24 hours and know if your blood was, like, clean. So I, was, I, I had to go do that, and that was actually more nerve-wracking than going to the porn shoot. Because I, I, I had never been tested before. I was a 20-year-old guy, and I had had unprotected sex in my life, and I didn't really know what was going on with myself. So until I got that test back the next day, I didn't really know what my situation was going to be. When I got the phone call saying, hey, you're all clear, you're good to show up, go pick up your test, and then show up to the set, oh, I was jumping up, 
you know, I was happy. I was just ecstatic. But doing porn is actually the safest place you could have sex because it is a requirement in the porn industry that you be tested every 15 to 30 days in order to be able to perform on porn sex. That's that's interesting because where else in life do you have a situation where everybody is being regularly tested? You don't. That's not a thing. But that's 15 right. to 30 days, that still doesn't account for anybody having sex outside the industry. Is there any kind of – I mean, you can you could have sex with whoever you want outside of your job, obviously. That, that is a great question. That's a great question that most people don't think about. When I got into it, the porn industry was a lot more tightened. You almost knew everybody. There wasn't that many guys that were in the porn industry because they like to use a small stable of guys. Girls were coming in constantly, but everybody was told, hey, you know, you're having if you're having tons of sex in the porn industry and it's become your career, just, you know, either, you know, refrain from having sex off camera or be super, super careful about it. And then as it progressed, as the, you know, early 2000s, 2005 the internet starts exploding more people started getting into the industry that's when a lot more STIs started occurring and a lot more incidents started occurring because you're right you can't control what people do on the outside of the uh, on the outside of the porn set so yes yeah even the 15 day to 13 day testing wasn't a hundred percent foolproof but I did porn for 15 years, and I never got anything. So I was either super, super lucky or just very vigilant about who I would work with because you could always go and look at people's records as well. There was an online record of seeing who was catching what and this and that. And if you saw somebody that, you know, they were catching a lot of different things multiple times, you could say, well, this person's a little too risky for me. I'm not going to work with them. Oh, Okay, yeah. that's good that you actually had like a database situation. You know, further to what you said that you'd been in the porn industry for 15 years and you never caught anything, you must feel like you hit the lottery because I feel the same way. I'm from Montreal <laughs> and I've never had an STD either. Yeah. yeah. Like, because the odds were stacked against me. You know that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Montreal. I, <laughs> yeah, of course. Now, also, I don't think my numbers. No. And I'm a hoe. But <laughs> I don't think my numbers stack up to your numbers, though. Not even close. Yeah, well, not too many people do, but, you know, a hoe, a hoe is still a hoe. <laughs> That's a true story, my friend. Now, uh, question. You never experienced anything yourself, but did you ever know anybody who did? And what was that like? Lots, lots and lots and lots. You heard about people being down all the time, Uh, especially if you catch like chlamydia or gonorrhea. You have to be down for seven days to take the antibiotics to get it. And then, God forbid, you caught uh, HIV, which I've known two people personally that caught HIV. Yeah, yeah, and it it was not a good feeling, and then and then you really want to just walk away from it. But when you hear something like that happen, because you're like, oh my god, could I be next? You know, and and it just really it really gets the whole industry down. The whole industry shuts down. Actually, if there's a case of HIV, the whole industry, which is mostly self-regulated, just all the production companies shuts down. They do investigation of who that person slept with. They try to, you know, narrow it down and find anybody who was infected. And it's a whole, whole process. But I really think the porn industry should probably be a little more 
regulated. I hate to say, you know, by the government, because I hate when the government puts their hands in anything because they always mess it up further. But the foreign industry could probably use a, a big brother just to make people a little bit more safer. All right. Well, we've had all this serious talk. Let's get back to the dirty stuff that's fun. Oh, I want the numbers. Yeah. Can we get to the number? Because we just talked about the number for a second. What is your number? Uh, I'm pretty close to about 5,000 partners that I've had. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, huh? Oh, wow. That's a that. That's a lot. I, you know, that's that's like, let's just, okay, let's just, let me just put this out there now. If I met a guy who had 5,000 lovers, I could never sleep with you ever, ever. It's too intimidating. But then there's the side of you that's going to be like, oh my God, I might have to see what a guy who's had 5,000 lovers is like in bed. And I guarantee you, I would not disappoint you. I would exceed all your, your expectations. Okay. <laughs> I have one more question. How yeah. long is a typical session? Uh, in porn, I've done scenes that lasted an hour. And then I've done scenes in, like, Europe for some of these European directors who are insane uh, for up to, like, seven hours. Okay. So I'm going to do an average here. 5,000 lovers times oh she's doing math oh yeah times uh (laughs) let's say average four hours yep 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 you had sex for twenty thousand hours yes so (laughs) so that tells you i'm experienced i know what i'm doing that is divided by 12 oh we're still doing math (laughs) for 1666 oh no Half of that. Five, more than 500 days you've had yeah. sex. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I'm just, I, I, let that sink in for a second. I, I mean, know. I can't imagine you doing anything more. Is there, has, are you a, a master at anything else? Yes. I'm a, I'm a skydiving instructor, too. I throw people out of airplanes. Cool. I love how it's known. <laughs> I jump out of airplanes. I throw people. Throw them out. <laughs> I throw people out of airplanes. That's my special. Uh, can I? Back to the numbers for a second. Sorry, not to get into all the the, the minutiae of this, but I'm very curious to know how many women have you had sex with in a day? Oof, in a day? I mean, again, you got to remember, I did porn, so we would do a lot of orgy scenes. So sometimes I'd have sex with like 20 women at at the same time. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being in the industry for as long as you were, I mean, did, did you have favorites? Were you friends with these women? I mean, were you always, okay, let me, let me re-ask the question because this is what I really want to know. Were you sexually attracted to every single person that you had sex with or could you just find something attractive about them? Or you're a guy and you didn't even need that? Uh, no, I, I, the, the second part of that was the correct thing. I could find something attractive about every partner that I've had. I wasn't, every person wasn't my, you know, specific type that I had sex with. But um, I like getting inside a person's head. So whenever I would work with somebody, I would sit down with them before the scene and I'd get to know like what turns them on, what their thing is. And just that little uh, connection, that little chemistry, that's what would, uh, that's what would take it to that, that level that I needed to be at. Okay. So like, realistically, I want the truth here. What's more important, looks or attitude? Oh, 1,000% attitude. 1,000% attitude. 1,000%. Just because um, looks is, is, can be so deceiving. I mean, I've, I've had sex with some of the most beautiful women in the porn industry, but they were boring as fuck. They had, like, 
no personality, no. Do they starfish? Uh, yes, I've had some uh, many starfishes. I've had many, many starfishes, and I, you know, and then you have to you have to carry the scene. You have to make it interesting yeah. somehow. So you have to do well, some crazy shit to get them out of that starfish situation. Whereas some other, <laughs> well, at least you try to get them out of that starfish oh, situation. I usually can. I usually can. There's always something to do. You know, like you, you find out they don't like butt sex, so you stick a finger in their butt. Trust me, they wake up real fast. <laughs> <laughs> that would do it for me for sure. Yeah. By the way, you know everybody has my understanding about the porn industry is that um, the more the more you're willing to do, the more successful you are. Do you have any hard nose, hard limits as to what you would or wouldn't do? Yeah, uh, I don't do crossover. Like I don't do gay sex. I'm not gay, and there's nothing I don't think that would ever no amount of money that would make me do that. And and it's not because I, I don't like, you know, the gay industry. I love all my gay fans. I've got more gay fans that pay for my personal web to get onto my personal website than anything. I just believe that it's best if you do what you, you know, were meant to do, what you what turns you on. And so I know a lot of gay, guys who do gay, uh, gay sex and they do it using these uh, these uh, substances today just to make more money, and they're really not happy with themselves. A lot of them suffer from depression. So if you're gay and you love having gay sex, then by all means, if you're straight and you're not, you're not attracted to men, don't do it for the money. And I say the same thing to women, too, although it is a lot easier for women to do the, the whole bisexual thing, but it's still, you can tell, especially in the movie industry, you can tell when a woman is not attracted to another woman. It's not as hot as two women who are actually into each other. So uh, gay sex is one thing that I never did. And I was never really a fan of, like, um, the super hardcore, um, you know, uh, uh, physical, like, slapping and spitting and stuff like that, which seems to be very popular today. I'm very against that. I don't like that. And a lot of people say, well, it's acting. It's in the movie. But I think a, a sex scene could be super, super hot without all of that crazy physical stuff of, like, a, you know, you know, abuse. I don't know what they call it today, but, you know, there's a lot of that extreme, like, slapping and choking and spitting and stuff like that. And I just, that's not on my radar at all. So I love kissing. I love I love dirty talk. I love, you know, the, the whole role playing and the dressing up and stuff like that. The hardcore physical stuff is never my, never my thing. Can I, can I ask a quick question about yeah. uh, just something specific that they do in the porn world yeah. that yeah. I see it and I go, Ugh, it just makes me gag. And, but I see it all the time. Like somebody must like it yeah. when girls spit on a guy's penis before they blow him. What, what the hell is that? Yeah, or a guy yeah. spits on a woman. Who spits on people like that? Oh, it's never yeah. happened to me in my real life, nor do I find it attractive <laughs> to spit on my, my partner's genitalia. <laughs> well, what is that? Who decided that was sexy? It's, it's, well, it started as, you know, a thing back in the day. If you ran out of, like, lubricant, you know, you had, had to use something. So it was spit. And then apparently Ugh. and then apparently somebody just liked it. I guess they saw it on the video and it got popular. And now... It's now that's the big thing. Like girls will gag on the dick just to, so that you can get that spit going and then spit all over. <laughs> well, I think I, I think guys like the idea of gagging because it means, oh, your penis is so big I right. can't even handle it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> if have a guy ever, ever spit ever on me, on a, have you ever gagged on a penis that was so big you couldn't handle it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm sorry. Was that a rhetorical question? I wasn't sure I answered it. Yeah, but it's been it's been a really long time, Ruth. <laughs> been a really really long time and it's and i yeah i have that sandra's a married woman i'm a married woman so i can't even refer to like you know i'm married yeah. so it's every anytime right. i refer to sex it's pre-marriage uh. <laughs> okay i have a question for you voodoo yeah. you've done all these crazy things you've had all this crazy sex but yeah. in your own life on your own time what yeah. kind of sex do you love Oh my god! I am a lingerie fanatic, so I love multiple outfit changes while I'm having sex. So sex with me—it's a lot means, of work. I know, <laughs> I know, but it's it's worth it. I'll tell you, you get that diamond cutter, and I'll get you off multiple times. It's it's a lot of work if it's not worth it. If the reward isn't worth the work, but if there's a reward for it, oh, I'm telling you, and I. And some women love it. Like the women that I date, they love dressing up. They love putting on the high heels and the stockings. And it, re- it that's what turns me on. So a sex session with me in my personal life, you have to at least count for like one to two hours because there's going to be at least three outfit changes in there. At least three outfit changes. And I love it. I love the music going. I love you coming out of the bathroom, all like the hair done and the lingerie and the little swaying and the little teasing. You that's want the whole movie. Like, even in your personal life. Yeah, yeah. I want the whole thing. I need it. I love it. I love love stockings and garter belts on women. I fucking love it. I cannot get (laughs) enough of it. And I think I think it stems back to like before I went to California, I had an office job where there was a, a, a woman of authority, my my boss who would come to work in short skirts every day and had the thigh-high stocking. So when she would sit, that skirt would kind of come up just a little bit, and I would see that skin, that thigh between the thigh-high stockings and the skirt, and that drove me insane. It drove me nuts. I think that's what messed me up for my whole life, because now a a woman in stockings, is that's what does it for me. So not uh, cotton briefs? No, no. <laughs> Asking for yeah. a friend. It's so interesting how every guy is different because uh, I don't know if he's lying or not, but my boyfriend will literally say he doesn't care. It's just a package. It's getting in the way of what he really wants. Ah, uh, yeah. See, again, like, I think, I don't think he's being 100% honest with you because most guys love that reveal. They love to, I mean. Maybe it's, it's just, that there's not much to reveal, but. yeah i get it it's the titillation of it all it's the build-up well there are some guys i feel like the older you are the more you understand uh you understand that the younger you are like you just want to get to it right you want to get to the business i think so and i and i think you know i think a lot of it again is because porn has desensitized so many people that whatever fantasy the guy is really into He'll go find it in his porn, but in real life, you know, he just wants to get straight to the fucking, and it's almost become a chore for this new generation to have sex, which sucks because, I mean, I'd rather have sex than be on the internet or, you know, being on my cell phone or doing this. I I want that connection with a real human being, and that, to me, I don't know why people have lost that, but to be with somebody else and to be able to be that intimate and to explore your fantasies with a real person. I mean, there's nothing better than that. These these new kids need to get their heads checked. It's clear you're a no fan. Kidding. You've done it five thousand times. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and how? But how does your job 
affect your personal life? Is there such a thing as having both or has it affected your personal life? Are you able to date women the way you would normally? Uh, Today, yeah, because I'm semi-retired. I don't do it as much, but it did affect my personal life because in the porn industry, when I got into it, I got married shortly after. I mean, I was in the porn industry for about a year. And I met my ex-wife, who was a porn star as well, and we got married, and we were married for 10 years. Seven of those years were absolutely awesome, but the day she decided that she didn't want to be in porn anymore, and I still wanted to be in porn, it definitely affected the relationship, and we ended up getting divorced over it. So it can definitely be something that prevents you from you know, being into a real you know, long-lasting relationship with somebody just because... You either have to have a super open mind and you both have to be into it or it's just not going to work out. The trust must be unreal. Mm, it's super. Uh, it's, it's everything. You have to, everything is out on the table. And so that's the opposite. Most people today, they try to hide as many things about themselves as they can. In the porn industry, it's more about letting letting your whole cards on the table so that you know you don't deal with any of the headaches because your your job is already just crazy as it is you'd rather have it just be open and honest and if you don't like it just walk away if it's all good then it can be amazing because you know you're really experiencing something that other people don't fully understand which is total total honesty total trust um, talking about now your your ex-wife who used to be in the porn industry, I yep. imagine most women in the porn industry have a completely different experience than men have in the porn industry. Yes, that's a definite. I mean, most women have a shelf life in the porn industry from like three to four years, whereas guys can probably do it for like 10, 15, 20. I know a guy like Ron Jeremy's still doing it, and he's been in it for like over 30 years, so... Um, it's, it's harder. It's harder on the woman's body, definitely. Like getting fucked by all these big cocks on a daily basis, it's gonna wear you out after a while, right? And uh, I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a lot of women too that have longer careers. But do you find like they have to get into weirder stuff the older their careers are? Yeah, exactly. And it, it always starts off like, you know, oh, I'm just going to do, you know, regular boy, girl. And then it's like, oh, okay, maybe I'll do like a threesome. And then maybe I'll do a orgy. And now you're getting gang banged by like 50 guys. So yeah, that's the thing is how much, how long are you willing to go? And what sucks about, you know, the internet porn industry is that back in the day, girls could do porn for two or three years, get a big following and then go do the stripper scene but the strip clubs have died because of the internet a lot more guys are staying in these days jerking off the porn instead of having to go to the strip club so that that avenue of making money has been killed by the by the uh, internet industry so girls are starting to have things to, if they really want to just stay into porn they have to do it for longer and then yeah it just it, it, it wears on them a little bit and uh, it, it, you know, it, it can make some of them bitter. Like I have worked with girls who have been in the industry for a little bit too long and they show up on the set and they're just not happy and they just want to get it done and stuff like that. So you really have to pull out all the magic tricks to make it work. Right. Is anybody still making any money in the porn industry? Because it sounds like that industry has been squeezed because of free porn that we get on the Internet. But somebody must be making money somewhere. Right. But the performers were the first people to get the big pay cuts because exactly what you said, you know, 
uh, because of everything being free, the director's like, oh, well, we can't pay you that much anymore just because it's so saturated out there. So that's the other thing is it's not paying as well as it used to. So a lot of people, they're doing the webcam modeling now, being you know in direct contact with their fans or having their own websites, which is a lot easier today because of technology. Uh, you can do your own website, and that's what I do. That's I've got my website. It's an OnlyFans website, so it's OnlyFans.com forward slash Voodoo Porn Star, and you can go and see all the stuff that I just do myself. Most of it is just me taking pictures of myself with, you know, selfie pictures of myself holding my big hard cock in my hand. And I get paid. I get paid really good money for this website. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of gay guys that watch it, a lot of married women that, that watch it. And it, 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 it's a good kind of side retirement income that is just easy money. But back in the day, like what kind of money would you make for a shoot? Uh, I'll give you my best year. The best year I've, uh, I had, I made about 350000 U.S. dollars, and I was making oh. about $2,000 per shoot. That's still a lot of shoots. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that's a lot of dough. That is a yeah. lot of dough. And, and you, you sustained yourself for how many years in that business? Literally. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I I saved my money. I'm I'm one of those smart guys that was. Um, I don't have to. I'm 42 now, and I don't have to work the rest of my life if I don't have to. So uh, I'm I'm really happy with how that went and and uh, the investments that I made. Outside of performance enhancing drugs in the industry, how prevalent are uh, actual drugs, like recreational? Uh, lots. I it. It's a party scene. You're in L.A. It's a party scene. You've got your your coke dealer on speed dial. Uh, marijuana is, uh, especially in California, you can get a, a prescription for marijuana real easily. And especially now with the laws changing, it's a, it's really easy. So a lot of drugs in that scene. A lot of drugs. And the people who survive a long time are the people that. Uh, the other drug in the porn industry is the gym. A lot of us become gym rats, and that's what I like to do. I like to go to the gym and just work out and sweat and just get so tired that I'm just going to sleep at the end of the night instead of going out to party. So those were your two things. Porn performers seem to be the types of personalities that we have a lot of energy to expend. So, like, we could go on set, have sex for four or five hours, but we're still super, super charged up, and we need to release some of that energy. And you either fall into the drug scene or you go into the workout scene. I did the workout scene and the extreme sports scene. So that's how I got into skydiving as well, too, was I was making so much money from the porn industry. I was like, what crazy sport that I could get into that's, you know, that I could, and I got into skydiving. Back to the drugs for a second. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I, you say that it's a party scene. Is it a, is it a party scene or is it a self-medicating scene? Uh, it's uh, it's both. I'll, I'll say that it's both. There's a lot of people that do get into porn, a lot of these young girls that do get into it where they have a background of abuse, and then they're just, you know, medicating to not feel the, the psychological pain, and just being in the porn industry is probably not the best place for them, but because of the type of money that they make and because it's, it's perceived as the party scene, you can kind of lose yourself in that a little bit. And then the rest of it, you know, a lot of the guys that are in it, uh, like myself, were, that got into it as just super happy dudes, 
like we'll go to the clubs and we'll do a party. We'll do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but it doesn't take over our lives, right? So there's definitely both. All right, I've got one last question for you. Your family, yeah. how did they yeah. find out? How was that? Uh, they found out pretty quick. I mean, when I left in 1999, I didn't really talk to my family for about three to five years just because, of, you know, cell phones weren't, you know, but there weren't too much around back then. And I didn't have a way really to communicate with them by email either. So when I came back, I came back to the house to visit with my wife. I was married and it was just like, oh, okay. And they found out I did porn and they were super happy. I have a brother and a sister that went out and became engineers. I was the black sheep of the family. So they were pretty happy that I wasn't in jail and making a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) So it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, my parents were told it with me. They they didn't have the highest expectations. I was I was a pretty bad <laughs> troublemaker growing up. I wasn't stupid. I went to college. I went to Humber College in Toronto and studied photography, and I got a photography degree. Uh, but I was uh, I was a slacker, and I was a troublemaker, and I was uh, anti-authoritarian. So I was getting into a lot of trouble. So when I decided to leave to California. They were like, oh, boy, this kid's going to end up in jail. And then I show up a couple of years later, and I have a house out there, and I'm making $300,000 a year, and I'm married. And they were pretty pleasantly surprised. I got to thank you for being part of the podcast today. I, I got to say this is one of the most enjoyable conversations I've personally had on the Quick and the Dirty podcast. I think, yeah, like so dirty, yet somehow so informative. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you actually, just one final thing. I know you have a new podcast out too. Yes, it's called The Virgin and the Whore. You can find it on An- Anchor or you can find it on uh, iTunes. And uh, we just talk about the different, we like to talk about what kind of sex politicians like Justin Trudeau would have. And it's pretty funny. Oh, wow. So the virgin and the whore, um, which one are you? I am the whore. (laughs) Yeah, you are. (laughs) Thank you, Voodoo. It was a pleasure, ladies. You guys were fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us. This episode is over, but the conversation doesn't have to be. Follow Hillary and Sandra on social. Instagram at Hillary on Air, at Sandra Kiss 1053. Twitter at Hillary Welch, at Sandra Kiss 1053. And on Facebook at Quick and Dirty Podcast. Got a question? Email Hillary and Sandra, the quick and the dirty at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can download the podcast each week to your mobile device to listen offline. Find the quick and the dirty on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts.